Hey, praise the Lord. Michael Jakes here. We're here once again with the Line by Line podcast, also known as the Monday Night Bible Study. We're here once again with a Bible study for your soul. We pray that all is well with you once again as we do so. Amen. We are still running our live over Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Spreaker.com, and YouTube. And we thank you once again for being with us. Tonight we are continuing in our study in the book of Matthew. We are in Matthew chapter 23. And uh, Jesus is going to continue in this chapter unleashing, I have to say that word, he will, he will continue in this chapter unleashing his series of woes upon the scribes and Pharisees. And along the way, he speaks to them, but he also speaks to us. And even though he lets loose with some powerful truth, he also comes through with words of love. Amen as only Jesus can. So, grab your smart device, get your Bible ready. It's time for the Monday Night Bible Study. We'll be right back. Say good evening to my brother Frank and Doris, my, my brother, uh, my sister uh, Doris, my brother Norman, Tracy. Uh, God bless you all. Amen. Good to see you all here tonight. Amen. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Lord, we bless your name tonight. We thank you once again for giving us this opportunity to open up your word. Lord, we pray that you will once again be with us as we know you will. Lord, we pray that you will have your way in this study. Lord, speak to our hearts and our minds. Lord, we pray that you will give us clarity of mind and heart, even as your word goes forth, Lord Jesus. We want you to have your way. Speak as only you can. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. If you're watching over Facebook, uh, you'll be so kind as to just share this page out that others also may be blessed. Amen. Well, we have reached Matthew chapter 23 and these these last several verses here, we'll probably finish up the chapter here tonight, uh, but these last several verses are a a stinging, a a, a a a series of stinging words from Christ regarding the scribes and the Pharisees. They began earlier in this chapter. We went through uh, a couple of those woes uh, last time we got together. Uh, but tonight he's going to finish off these woes. Amen. Uh, but once again, he he doesn't he doesn't leave it there. He doesn't leave it there. He realizes Christ realizes that this is his this these are his last quote, ministry moments with the scribes and the Pharisees. And the words that he will speak to them will be powerful, they will be stinging, but they will also be words of comfort and consolation and even invitation, amen? So let's jump right in and see what Christ has to say to the scribes and the Pharisees. Starting in verse number 
23. Amen. Starting, starting in verse 23, reading in the King James Version. The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say, though I'm sorry, I'm reading, I'm in chapter 22. Chapter 23, verse number 16. Forgive me. Chapter 23, verse number 16. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear, swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. First, the Pharisees had set themselves up as spiritual guides. Okay? But only Christ knew, and they didn't even know themselves. Only Christ knew that as they had set themselves up as spiritual guides, that they were actually spiritually blind. And because they were spiritually blind, leading the people, this meant sure spiritual destruction to themselves and the people. Amen? They, were, they did not understand the things of God. And so the words that they spoke, even though Christ said these words last time we got together, Listen to what they say when they tell you the right thing. There were those times, there were those pockets of time where the Pharisees spoke truth. When they tell you the truth, listen, but don't do what they don't do what they do. Don't behave as they behave. And he's going to go into uh, his litany of reasons why the people should not do what they do. And so he calls them here blind guides. Now, when he's talking about swearing by the temple. Uh, he's talking about taking an oath. What Christ is going to bring out here in these verses, that the the temple is greater than what we present on the temple. In other words, he talked about the gold. The gold does not make the temple great. It is the temple that sanctifies the gold. Amen? And so that is what he is talking about here. Verse number 17. Ye fools and blind. For whether is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? Once again, it's the temple is what sanctifies the gold. It's not the other way around. Uh, and notice that he adds here the fact that now, in addition to being blind, he also calls them fools. Okay? So once again, uh, Jesus' words, Jesus' words are very real and very true. Uh, and it is true, I, I believe he said this the last time, uh, that sometimes uh, truth hurts. Truth hurts before it helps. And this is, a, this is a, a, a bona fide case of those words. Truth will hurt before it helps many times. Whosoever, verse number 18, and whosoever shall swear by the altar, whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing, but whosoever swears by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Once again, Jesus is here emphasizing, he's emphasizing that the altar is greater than the sacrifice. Okay? The altar itself is greater than the sacrifice. Because the altar, why is that? Because the altar is the established meeting place between God and man. It is the established meeting place between God and man. And when we come to the altar, when we come to the altar, we come to Christ. We come to Christ. Um, I can remember, I can remember going back uh, years, and, and not so many years, but the altar, 
the altar was 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 a holy place what happens at the altar is is a is a holy thing amen and it's very important uh, that we understand the importance of the altar we should not trivialize the altar amen that's where sacrifices are made that's where we come and surrender ourselves that where we, that's where we come to uh the, the altar the the throne of grace so to speak that's where we come to receive uh, what we will from the lord so once again the altar the altar is absolutely uh, a vital and important part uh, of our uh, Christian uh, journey. Amen. So the altar it sanctifies what what is put on it. Amen. Um, also, when we go back to the Old Testament. The altar was in a location. The altar was always low to the ground. I'm talking about the Old Testament. The altar was always low to the ground, and that gave people uh, proper. Uh, a, a proper path to it. It wasn't high up. It was where everybody could reach it. The altar is where you can find it. Amen? The altar, and let's bring it back to our New Testament churches. The altar is right at the front, right at the front of the building. If you're wondering where the altar is, the altar is where the pulpit is. The altar is the front uh, of the church, where the people uh, sometimes come and stand and congregate. That is considered the altar. And that is the place where we come to meet the Lord at the altar. Amen. And so when we come to the altar, we have to come to the altar, meaning business. We have to come to the altar, uh, once again, bringing our sacrifices. What type of sacrifice? In our day, sacrifice of praise. We come with who we are and we bring him what we have to the altar. So the altar is a very important part of our Christian uh, lives. And Jesus here is, is making that point. Uh, these blind guides did not have an understanding of the significance of the altar. They thought they did. They truly thought they had an understanding of what the altar was all about, but they really did not. Let's go to verse number 19. Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 19. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift. Once again, Jesus continues to explain. He wants he wants them to understand this truth that the gift, the gift or the sacrifice that we bring, amen, is not greater than the altar itself or than the temple itself as he puts it here, okay? The temple is what sanctifies the gift, amen? And that's important to understand. Whoso, therefore, shall swear by the altar sweareth by it and by all the thing, all things thereon. Let's go to 21, because 20 and 21 go together. Whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. What is he saying? When they took an oath, when they took an oath, they would, they are actually bringing God into their own evil, into their way of doing things. It's like when we say, I I, 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 when we have said, I haven't said this in years and years and years, uh, but I swear to God, if you've ever said that, I swear to God, uh, I, I even hate to even say that right now because I can remember those days when I used to say that. But when you say that you are invoking, you are invoking, uh, a curse upon yourself. You, you don't swear to God. You don't swear to God. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Just 
That's all that's necessary. You don't need to go any higher. You don't swear uh, to God. Amen. And so this is what they were doing. When they swore by the temple, they were swearing by heaven uh, and they were also swearing by God who sits on his throne. And so this is something that ought not to be done at all. Amen. Not to be done. Verse number 22, verse number 23. Here's his next woe. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, he says, hypocrites. Now he adds this third, uh, third word in, their, in his description of them. For ye pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, uh, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Now, what is Jesus telling them? And listen, they understood exactly what he was saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. He says, in this matter of pay, paying tithe, uh, the, the mint and the anise and the cumin were just, uh, they were plants that were used for seasoning. That's what they were, plants that were used for seasoning. But the law said that a tithe had to be paid concerning these small matters. Uh, these trivial, in our eyes, these trivial matters. But the law said you pay a tithe uh, for them. And he said, you, 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 you make it up, you make up in your mind that you are going to pay tithes on these little things. You pay attention to the small details, but you leave out, you leave out the more important aspects of the law. Namely, as he says here, he says, law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Let's go to Micah 6, 8. Micah chapter 6. And verse number eight, because this plays into what Jesus says right here. In Micah chapter six and verse number eight, it says, He has showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee. But, number one, to do justly. Number two, and to love mercy. And number three, and to walk humbly with thy God. That's what the Lord, that's what the Lord requires. This is, these are words that they understood and they knew. And what Christ was saying, you've left out, you've left this out. You're not walking humbly. You are not uh, doing justly. You're not living righteously because he called them hypocrites. And you are not showing mercy. Not at all. You leave out the weightier matters of the law. And you, you, you strain, you make sure that you try and keep every little, little jot and tittle. And he says, no, 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 you, you, you need to, you need to, you need to make sure that you, as, as you observe the law, you need to observe uh, the, not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. Amen. And that is what is most important. You blind guides which strain, verse number 24, you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Now that word at, it, it's. It's better understood to be you strain out a gnat because what the Pharisees, what uh, many Jews did before they drank wine, they would strain it. They would put a little strainer and they would strain their wine to make sure that they did not swallow something impure. They went through all that trouble to make sure that they didn't ingest something that they should not ingest. But here's what Jesus said. You strain out, you strain out so that you won't swallow something you shouldn't. But in the process, 
you swallow a camel. <laughs> you swallow a camel. You leave out the, you leave out the big stuff. You're worried about the little stuff. Amen. That's what he says here. Verse number 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Let me ask you a question. If somebody handed you a if somebody handed you a glass, a cup, well, a glass. If somebody handed you a glass, a, a, a clear glass, and it was clean, sparkling clean on the outside, and you look in and you see spots and you see stains. Uh, do are you going to are you going to drink from that glass? Are you going to drink from that cup? Uh, I I think not. So what does Jesus say here? He says, "Thou blind Pharisee." Cleanse first that which was that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Once again, you're worried, you're very meticulous about keeping every little detail, but you, you first of all, you, you're you're showing yourself to be clean on the outside, but on the inside, it's another story completely, another story completely, and he's going to further his point here as he gives them their next woe, another woe. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of uncleanness. A sepulcher was a monument. A sepulcher was a grave. And they said you are like, it says here that you are like whited sepulchers. What they would do, they would paint the outside. They would paint the monument. Now what every Jew knew, every Jew knew uh, that yes, here's a monument, here's a tomb. But the law said that that which was, that which was within was defiled. There, there were dead, dead bones in there. But what they would do, they would make everything on the outside of the tomb look nice and 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 look well kept uh given the impression that everything is fine but that is not the case amen woe unto the scribes and pharisees once again let's read it for ye are like the whited sepulchers which indeed appear beautiful outward but are within full of dead men's bones and just to make sure just to make sure that they understood his illustration. <laughs> Jesus tells them exactly what he's talking about. This is not a parable. Jesus is giving them an illustration, but he doesn't want them to miss his point. And he speaks in verse number 28. Even so ye, you scribes and Pharisees, outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Wow. There's no way around it. Jesus, Jesus is calling them out. He is telling them very plain and very honestly. He says, listen, you guys look so wonderful on the outside and the people look up to you. Many of the people revere you. Okay, you have a you have a solid reputation amongst the people. This is one of the one of the reasons why they hated Jesus so much because Jesus was stealing their shade. Jesus was Jesus was taking uh, a lot of their light away. 
by the things that he said and by the things uh, that he did. And they did not appreciate it. They were jealous. They were angry uh, concerning uh, Jesus and who he was. He says, listen, you appear righteous on the outside. Every, everything looks fine. Remember what he said. Remember the words that he cast at them uh, earlier. He said, you stand in the streets and you pray out loud. And he said, the reason you do that is because you want to seem to be righteous to all of the people. And once again, he continues here, uh, inside you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity, full of, running over with. That's, that's, what the, that's the understanding of the word uh, full of. You are running over uh, with uh, hypocrisy and iniquity. And hypocrisy was a word that simply meant, in those days, it, was meant, it meant that you were wearing a mask. You were wearing a mask. You were hiding your true self, and you were wearing a mask. Uh, in those days, in theater, they did have theater in those days in Rome, uh, the actors all wore a mask on their face. This identified them as actors. Uh, and this is what Jesus is saying here. He says, you are acting the part. You are not who you say you are. You are not who you claim to be. You're showing yourself to be one thing on the outside, but on the inside, it's an entirely different story. And Jesus knew what was in man. We can never forget that. Jesus knew and Jesus knows what is in the hearts of individuals. And he knew their hearts. He comes now with another woe. He says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous. He's going to make another point here, okay? He's going to make another point here. And the point here uh, that he is going to make is that the Pharisees uh, were hypocritical in their treatment and the words that they heaped upon the past prophets, their forefathers, their ancestors, it says here that they build the tombs. They build the tombs of the prophets and adorn. They adorn the, uh, the monuments of the righteous. They all, they all had good words concerning their forefathers. Good things to say about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and their fathers and, and their forefathers, the prophets. They have all had good things to say. And verse number 30, here's what it says. And say, this is what Jesus said that they say. If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. And so the scribes and the Pharisees knew and understood the treatment that the prophets received many times. He understood that the that the prop they understood that the prophets uh, were mistreated and maligned and, and they were martyred. Uh, for speaking uh, the word of the Lord many times. And they are claiming, they say, listen, if we were there, we would never have done that. We would never have done that. And that's that's a question that sometimes arises uh, in my mind. How would I, and you can ask yourself this question, it, it's a question that cannot really be answered, but it's a question that nevertheless, it, it comes to mind. If you or I, we're living in the days of the prophets. And let, let's bring ourselves up to the days of Christ. If you or I were living in the days of Christ and Christ was on the scene and he was making his claims and saying who he was and he was doing the things that he was doing, how do you think you would have responded? How would you have responded 
to Christ, his words, his miracles, how would you have responded? Well, if I can be honest, <laughs> if I can be honest and, and sort of parallel how I responded to the gospel the first time I actually heard it and place myself with that mind and that attitude, then I would have heard Jesus and not been impressed because I was not impressed. If I can use that, that's the word that I, that comes to mind. I was not impressed when I first heard the gospel. It, it didn't, it didn't ring the bell yet. Okay. It didn't move me yet. I wasn't convicted that first time that I heard uh, the gospel, amen, for whatever reason. It didn't happen the first time. Uh, but uh, how would you have responded if Jesus was on the scene, if rather if you were there uh, back those uh, 2,000 years ago when Christ walked the earth, how would you have responded? Would you have been on his side? Would you have been one of the people saying, crucify him, crucify him? Would you have just remained uh, aloof and not had an opinion either way? Sometimes it, it causes me to wonder, but I, I probably think if I was the same person I am was then, I would not have received him. Uh, it may have taken some time, uh, but we will never know. Amen. But here, once again, in verse number 30, Jesus makes this statement uh, concerning them that they say, that we would never have done such a thing. We would never, never have done that. Verse number 31. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. You, you, know, what, you know what your forefathers did. And never forget that you are descended from them. You are descended from them. And so in verse number 32, he says, fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Jesus knew that they would complete the unbelief started by their forefathers. Okay. And even while Jesus knew this statement that they were thinking that they would never have done such a thing uh, if it were them back in the days of the prophets, they said this in their hearts with the full knowledge that they were at that very moment plotting the death of Christ. So once again, you see the absolute hypocrisy of who they were. They say they would never have done such a thing. They would never have been a part of, of shedding the blood of the prophets, but yet they're already trying to figure out a way that they can take Jesus down. So Jesus understood this completely. That's why he says in verse number 32, fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Continue their work. Do what they would have done. And you are going to complete their work. They didn't believe that I was coming. They didn't believe. Here I am. And you're going to, you're going to have me killed. You're going to have me killed. Verse number 33, ye serpents, Ye generation of vipers. That's a very, very important phrase where he calls them a generation of vipers. He is basically, uh, he is basically calling out their entire, uh, their entire, the entire family of, of Pharisees. He says, you are a generation 
of vipers, of devils. Snakes and serpents were always uh, illustrative of, of, of the devil. And he said, you are a generation of devils. That's what he's saying right here. That's, that's a powerful, I mean, Jesus, once again, he is unleashing. He is unleashing his most harsh words on them here in the last days of his earthly ministry. That's what he's doing here. He says, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? How can you escape the damnation of hell? There was only one way. There was only one way that they could escape the damnation of hell. And that was to believe in who he was. Believe him and receive him. Okay, Believe on him and receive him into their hearts. That would be the only way that they would uh, that would be the only way that they would escape the damnation of hell. Amen. That's it. Verse number 34. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets, wise men, and scribes, and some of them shall ye, uh, uh, some of them ye shall kill and crucify. He's speaking prophetically here. Some of you sh you shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. He is not only he is not only prophesying concerning his own death, but is also prophesying uh, the death of those who would come after him, his his own disciples, uh, and and all those who call upon the name of the Lord, all those uh, who would die. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen? And he's saying that it this would continue. This would continue. His death would continue. His, what Christ, when Christ died, it would begin uh, a, a line of people who would die for Christ, amen? To this very day, people are dying for Christ in the name uh, of Christ, amen? That upon you, verse number 35, that upon you, may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom he slew between the temple and the altar. His story is found in Second in Second Chronicles. You can read about uh, the martyrdom of Zechariah, one of the prophets. But here, he says, basically from in between, and, and, it, and it just so happens, I'm not going to call it a coincidence, God put it this way, from Abel to Zechariah, okay? Uh, every prophet from A to Z, amen? Every prophet from A to Z, their blood is upon uh, your hands, from the blood of the righteous, amen? Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation, amen? A. All these things shall come upon this generation. Okay? And he's calling it right there. Verse number 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that kills the prophets. Now, once again, Christ has unleashed this series of woes in this chapter. We spoke about it last week. And he has continued this unleashing of these woes upon the Pharisees. I mean... I mean, these things that he says uh, concerning uh, the Pharisees. 
are terrible things. They're terrible things to own up to, and no one would like to own up uh, to these things. A woe is an a woe is an exclamation of judgment, and he pronounces these woes, uh, knowing full well that these individuals are right in front of him. But he wanted them to know. He wanted them to hear. He wanted to he wanted to uh, show them their own ways. He wanted them to see. Now it was up to them whether they would believe. It was up to them whether they would receive his words. And obviously, from what did happen in just a few days, we know that they didn't receive his words. They were still yet angry, yet jealous, and yet uh, trying to find a way to bring him down. Uh, but here we see, in spite of all the words that Christ spoke, condemning their actions, condemning their words, uh, condemning the things uh, that were in, even the things that were in their heart, even as he condemns them. Here in verse number 37, we see his heart because here's what we must not miss. Jesus loved them. Jesus loved them. Well, it doesn't say that. I, where, where do you see? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He loved them. Christ came to die for them. Amen? That's what Christ came to do. He loved them. He loved them enough to die for them. He loved them enough first here to tell them the truth. And he loved them enough to die for them. You know the story. We're going to get to it in just a few weeks. Uh, how Jesus was on the cross. And we have uh, the, the two thieves. One on his right and one on his left. And the Bible says that they both they both were, were lighting into him verbally. Okay, I don't know if it's in Matthew. It might be in, in, in Luke. But they were both lighting into him verbally. But one, but one has a change of heart. And that one says to the other, this man has done nothing wrong. We deserve to be where we are. But this man, no. And he turns to Jesus and he says, remember me, based on that statement, that this man is not guilty. This man has done nothing wrong. And he turns to Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Right there, right there, this man showed faith. He didn't say, Lord Jesus, forgive me, come into my heart. He didn't say, cleanse me. He, he, he didn't say, Lord, have mercy on me. He didn't, he didn't say any of those words because who knows if he even knew to say those words. But the words that he said contain the faith that was necessary. Jesus saw the heart. Jesus saw the heart that was behind those words. And there was faith in those words. And when, when, that, when that thief, said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. We don't know if he had tears in his eyes. We don't know anything. He said, based on the strength of those words, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, today, uh, today you will be with me in paradise. Today, you're going to be with me where I go, you are coming with me. That man was born again. He was born again. He was saved. He was saved. He trusted. 
every person in the Old Testament up to the New Testament. And today, we are all saved in the same way. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the prophets, whoever you want to say, they all came to the Lord in the same way. We all come in through Christ. No, you hear no mention of Christ in the Old Testament, not at all. But Abraham believed and it was accounted to him as righteousness. He believed in the words that God told him concerning uh, his ancestry and who would come after him. He believed. He believed his statement. And that was accounted to him as righteousness. And every single person that comes into the kingdom, those in the Old Testament, they came in the kingdom because they believed in the coming Messiah, that he would come. They believed. Now he has come. Now we believe that he came. They believed he was coming. We believe that he came. Anna, book of Matthew, uh, uh, rather the book of Luke, Simeon, in the book of Luke, when Jesus was born, they believed. The Bible says that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That, that, that person that would come and give Israel rest, he believed, he waited. Lord, I don't want to die until I see the Messiah. And God blessed him and allowed him to be the priest to, to consecrate Christ on the eighth day. And then God fulfilled uh, his, his word uh, to Simeon. And Anna also was there. She was also an older woman who had been waiting for Christ to come. These individuals were saved. Not in the same way that you would think that you and I was that you and I get saved. Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me of my sin. But they were saved because they believed in the promise. They believed in the promise coming Messiah. Amen. And that is very, very important. Amen. So we should never, we should never minimize, never minimize that even when Christ comes with hard words and difficult words. Remember, he loves them. Even in the book of John, when you go to John and we're not there yet, we won't get there for quite a while. Uh, but John chapter number eight, uh, where he says, before Abraham was, I am. He came in, in those verses leading up to that statement with very hard words against those who were standing there. But he loved them. He loved them enough to tell them the truth. Amen. Loved them enough to tell them the truth. And that's, once again, that is a sure sign of love. He says in 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent to thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. He says, listen, I would have gathered you. I would have brought you all together under, I, I, I would have protected you and called you my own, but you rejected. You would not, it, it, it's a terrible thing to reject the hand that is reaching out to you. He reaches out, Christ reaches out. He's reaching out to the world. He's reaching out to anyone who doesn't know him. He is reaching out. He's reaching out. And it's a terrible thing when you reach out to someone and you are just rejected. 
no, I, no, that's not what I want. No, I don't want you. That, that's, a, that's a terrible thing. That's a terrible thing. But Jesus yet, he still reaches out. What does scripture say? Scripture says that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is long-suffering. Scripture says that he is long-suffering. And that's a word that means what? It means that he suffers long. He waits. He waits. He waits. He doesn't have any desire for anyone to die and go to hell. That's not what he wants. But people choose that when they choose to reject Christ. And so he wants to gather them to himself as birds or as chickens under her wings, but they would not. Rejection. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. You cannot expect anything good to happen when you reject, when you reject righteousness, when you reject peace, when you reject truth. You cannot expect anything good to come from it. For I say unto you, verse number 39, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And that is where Jesus begins to begins to turn the direction uh, of his words to the prophetic. It's just a, it's just a foreshadowing of what would be what's coming up in the next chapter. Because they would not say, they will not say, the Jews will not say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That is yet future. There is yet still a veil over the eyes of Jews. There is a veil. They do not, they do not see. Uh, if, if you wonder why Jews, I'm talking about uh, the religious Jews, uh, why they persist in doing the things that they do and going to the temple and because they are truly and completely dedicated uh, to what they do. Yes, they are totally religious. And yes, they, they, there are different factions and, and, and different Jewish uh, 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 sects, uh, but they are truly dedicated to what they do. But they are incomplete. They are incomplete until they receive Christ, until they recognize that Christ is their Messiah. They are incomplete complete they are incomplete and that day will not come uh, they will not say this blessed is he that comes in the name of the lord <clears throat> until he comes in the clouds at the second coming the second coming not at the rapture but at the second coming this is after the tribulation this is after the antichrist has 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 tricked them and fooled them uh and he will and christ will come to save them, literally. Christ will come and save them at that time. That is when they will be saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Paul makes this statement, this startling statement in the book of Romans. He says, all Israel shall be saved. Now, I, there is no way that I don't believe that he is meaning that every single person who is a Jew that is living at that time is going to come to Christ. I Maybe he does. But that's not the understanding that I get. I, I believe that the Jews as a people will come to the Lord. They will come to the Lord in droves during the tribulation period. 
We are not there. We are not in the tribulation period yet because we are still here. But once we are not here, tribulation will begin soon after and the wheels will begin turning. Everything you read in the book of Revelation will begin to come to pass uh, as the days wear on. And I have to say as the days wear on because those are going to be some long days. Amen. But as we believe, we ourselves will not be here at that time. Now, that's just once again, that's just a precursor. That's just a uh, just a foretaste, just a little taste of what we're about to read uh, beginning in chapter number 24. We're not going to start that tonight. We're going to start in chapter 24 the next time we come together. So fasten your seatbelts as we go, as we come together next week and read and get into chapter uh, number 24. It's going to be powerful. We're not going to, we're not even going to attempt uh, to read through. We, we never attempt to read through these words uh, quickly. Uh, it'll take us a couple of weeks uh, to get through it all, to explain it all. Uh, but we shall, uh, we shall undertake uh, this task beginning next week. Amen. So God is good. Amen. God is good. I've been seeing some of the, I've been seeing some of the comments here. Um, let me go back to one of them here before we pray. Uh, God bless you, Walter, and 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 welcome. Uh, here, your first time. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Uh, Pastor MJ needs to be wearing a Marine Corps sweatshirt. In all seriousness, I truly enjoy your preaching, Pastor MJ. I'm learning every day. I will continue. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, my son was in the Marine Corps. Uh, he's no longer with us. Uh, my son was the the sixth the sixth casualty in the um, uh, in the Persian Gulf uh, in the year 2000, um, uh, right after 9-11, he was the sixth casualty, uh, and so we wear, we wear Navy, he was in the Navy, we wear Navy, uh, things every once in a while when he's, when he's in our, in our minds and in our hearts, so, amen. All right, so let's pray, and we will, and we will, uh, give you some announcements before we go, amen. Lord, we bless your name tonight, we thank you once again. Again, we got an opportunity to open up your word. As always, it is always uh, a, a wondrous time as we spend time in your word. Uh, Lord, we pray that you continue to teach us your word. Uh, Lord, as we learn more about you, Lord, I pray that you will cause us uh, to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Lord, all of this Bible study will do will be to no avail if we don't make proper application. So, Lord, we pray that you will teach us, Lord, to apply your word to our hearts, Lord Jesus. That is most important. Lord, we want to apply your word to our hearts. We don't want to walk away empty. We don't want to walk away uh, saying anything, but we, we were fed. And, Lord, we, we're going to take your word, and, Lord, we're going to live by it, Lord, because we know uh, that the, the goal of this Christian life is to be like you, to become more Christ-like and your word coming together to study your word gives us that opportunity to learn more about you and to become more like you as we make application. So Lord, have your way. Bless us together. Bless each and every one uh, gathered here to hear your word tonight. Bless us and keep us and hold us in the hollow of your hand. We'll give you so we'll be so careful to give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here uh, on tonight. Amen. God is good. God is good. Amen. <clears throat> and uh, we want to continue uh, to bless uh, the name of the Lord. Amen. Um, let me answer this question. 
uh, from Brother Frank. The Lord never gives up on us. We give up on him. Is that true? Uh, I believe that is true. The Lord does not. When when you say when we say giving up on him, uh, that can that can be a a. Well, what exactly do you mean by giving up on him? Like walking away, saying that you don't want to, you don't want to believe anymore, you don't want to be a Christian anymore, or it's too hard. If we, if we begin putting our faith in another place, if we begin to trust other things, the point is we need to keep as we live this life in Christ. We have to keep, no matter how dark, no matter how dusty, no matter how difficult it may get. If you keep your faith in Christ. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. His word is true. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Lord, I don't understand what is going on. Lord, I don't even like what's going on, to be honest. Lord, but Lord, I trust you. He's not going to leave you. Because everything that happens to us, good or bad, is part of the process of spiritual growth. Every single thing that happens. Everything that makes you scratch your head and say, what is this? Every little thing, every little thing that you don't understand, every little thing that you say, why is this happening to me? If you've ever said that, it's all, once again, to build you up and make you into the person that God wants you to be. Yes, you're going to have hard times. And yes, sometimes you may throw your hand up in the air and say, I give up. But if you trust him, if you put your trust in him and keep your trust in him, he's he, he's not letting you go. He's not letting you go. No, no. So you're going to have those hard times. And so he's not going to give up on you. Keep your faith in him and don't even, don't even think about the fact that he's giving up on you because he's not letting you go. Amen. He's not letting you go at all. Amen. Semperify. Semperify. Amen. Amen. Semperify. Amen. All righty. <clears throat> well, God bless you. If I didn't say God bless to everybody, God bless Arigna. God bless you, Arigna and Norman and Doris and Frank. Uh, God bless you, Walter. Amen. God bless you, Tracy T. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. God bless you all. Uh, Dawn, God bless you. Uh, just thank the Lord for all of you. Amen. God is good. God is working. And God is on the throne. Amen. Well, let me invite you, as we always do, let me invite you to join us throughout the week, if you are able, if you are able. Uh, tomorrow night, we will be here uh, with the uh, the Bible Speaks Live podcast. And tomorrow night, we're coming to you, and we're going to be asking the question tomorrow night, are you a grasshopper, or are you a giant killer? Are you a grasshopper, or are you a giant killer? Amen? We're going to be fighting and courage tomorrow night in and, and through our identity in Christ. Do you really know who you are? Do you really know who you are? I believe that as we as we put this year in the past and we uh, begin to roll into a new year, uh, it's important that we understand who we are in Christ. Amen. So we're going to take some time out uh, tomorrow night uh, and talk about our identity in Christ. Are you a grasshopper or are you a giant killer? Amen. Uh, that's tomorrow night. Join us at 8 o'clock if you are able. All Wednesday night, Cutting It Right Bible Study, also the first principles of the Christian life. Uh, we're going to continue our next to last lesson on temptation. Uh, once again, we will continue that. That's at 8 o'clock on Wednesday night. Amen. Uh, 
talking about temptation, amen, uh, the roots of temptation. So join us if you are able, amen. And on Sunday morning, uh, Sunday afternoon, haha, Sunday afternoon, 4 o'clock, we'll be here, Lord willing, with our final installment in our series entitled Glory in the Highest. The day after Christmas, what happens? What happens next? What happens next? Jesus has come. Jesus has lived. Jesus has died. Now what? Okay, and we'll talk about that coming up this Sunday morning, this Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. Join us if you can. Amen. So we just bless the Lord. We honor him. We thank him once again for giving us opportunity uh, to bless him. Uh, don't forget, you can listen in to our podcast on all these podcast platforms. Spreaker.com is our is our main podcast platform. Uh, you go there and you'll see the other podcasts that the Lord has enabled us uh, to be able to produce uh, over the years. Amen. And so we pray that you will avail yourself to that. We also have an ebook uh, that we have available. We have an ebook that we have available on our on our website it's entitled uh, "Remaining Unmovable: Seven Keys to Quality Longevity in Christ." Amen. I pray uh, if you go there that you will. It's a free. It's a free download, uh, and I'm sure that it will also bless you. Amen. Just to remind you also that I do write for. Uh, uh, Bible study tools, uh, several articles that I have up there. Uh, you can just go to my page on Bible study tools, uh, Michael Jake's Bible study tools, and I'll bring you to my articles. Um, and I pray that you'll be blessed by that. You can also visit our website at that's the word.org. You can also uh, go to our YouTube channel, which is that's the word ministries. Amen. It's all in an effort to build the body of Christ. That's what we're about. We want to build the body of Christ. We are ministry uh, offering encouragement uh, and a timely insight on a variety of subjects that are relevant uh, to uh, the church. And we come to you in a distinctly cross-centered, with a distinctly cross-centered perspective, amen? And so that's our goal. That's what we do here. And we thank you for joining us, amen? So until tomorrow night, if you're able to join us at 8 o'clock with all your grasshopper, or are you a giant killer? Join us if you can. That's tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. Looking forward to it. See you then. Till then, have a good night. God bless, and we'll see you.